0: You're listening to the Mindful Biz podcast. I'm Alison Morgan, business coach at Relauncher. This is a special edition for the Mindful Biz podcast. Rather than the usual episode where I'm hosting, this episode was recorded by Rebecca Vexler. Beck is the founder of Soul Cups and has featured on this podcast a couple of times now over the years. And most recently, she's launched her own podcast called Business Love and Science. Beck is a fabulous interviewer, and the episode with both of us was very insightful. So, I asked Beck if it was okay to play the podcast episode here, and she said yes. So, this episode you're about to listen to is Beck interviewing me, asking all sorts of questions which relate to business, love, and science. We had a great time recording this, and I'm sure you'll love it too.
1: Welcome to another episode of the Rebecca Mandations Podcast, where we talk all things business, love, and science. Today, I'm joined by the inspiring Alison Morgan, who is founder of Relauncher, which essentially is a business coaching company. She's also the founder of Sticky Sto- gosh, hold on. She's also the founder of Sticky Studio, which is a graphic design company, which is also part of that amazing umbrella company she's created. And within all of that, which is actually how we met, Alison also runs and owns the Mindful Biz podcast, which in itself is incredibly inspiring because she's had so many speakers on that, that if you haven't listened, you need to go right now. But Alison, thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today.
0: Beck, thanks so much for having me. And isn't this a great excuse for us to catch up?
1: Yeah, I know. It's embarrassing, isn't it?
0: <laughs> we, we're well overdue. <laughs> That's the beauty of podcasts.
1: Exactly. I get to see your face. I get to listen to your amazing updates on life. And we get to sort of talk some of the stuff we're most passionate about. So, yeah. I mean, like I said, the the reason you and I even met in the first place was you interviewed me on your podcast, which... I'm pretty sure it was like four years ago or five years ago now.
0: How time flies. You've been on the podcast a couple of times now. True.
1: Good point. Mm.
0: <laughs> a lot happens in a yes. short amount of
1: time. But let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about what you've created with Relauncher because, you know, you've been in this industry 11 plus years. Yes. And, you know, anyone that knows what's going on in the world knows how complicated startups are right now and how difficult times are so let's talk a little bit about what relauncher is and then how on earth you created sticky studio within that and and what's happening in your world now yes
0: oh my gosh that now that is one big loaded question so (laughs) (laughs) i i started my business uh 12 years ago. And what you see now is very different to what I launched. And most business owners will say that within the first 3 years they evolve into something they didn't really realize they would ever evolve into and that's me. So I actually started with an online shop which was geared towards re- relaunching women after they'd had children and lost their mojo. Oh, and wow. it, was at, it was at a time where e-commerce was at its absolute infancy. Like you barely were buying yeah. any clothes online. So we were very ahead of really what was going on. And at, back then there weren't that many small businesses.
1: Were you doing that within your community and then decided to go online? Or no.
0: It, wow. No, and in all honesty, like, I didn't really know what I was doing, which, again, (laughs) is very common as well. I just didn't want to go back to my corporate job after having kids. That was the whole reason why I started a business. And I also didn't have the confidence to start a business, so I roped my neighbour into being my business partner. Oh, my God. But what were you doing before? What was the corporate role? (laughs) Okay, so my background is business and marketing with blue chip companies, and I've worked throughout Australia as well as over in London And my husband was in advertising or still is and worked really long hours. We have no family here in Sydney and I just did not want to have children and then not be there to raise them. So it was like, right, I'm going to create my own business, but I've got no idea what this is going to be. And somehow I'm going to make it work. So. My neighbour and I, I said to her, look, just start this business with me. We'll set it up and then we'll just drink champagne in the evenings. (laughs) Famous last words. None of that happened. (laughs) I was going to say. She was a really, really good business partner for me because she gave me the confidence to actually go ahead. Like in today's world, you just get a business, business coach, but business coaches weren't really around back then. And she had a completely different set of skills to me. So I was marketing and like business setup, up and she did all the stuff that I couldn't stand, which is like your finances, your bookkeeping, organising legals, all that stuff. So we were really a great match um, and we got the business going and it really just didn't take off. And you know what, the, the proposition was way too complex to be able to market clearly. so the the people that knew us and the people that we could explain what this business was in person we would convert but online it it just didn't work and long story short um my business partner she then went um off and worked with her husband which was actually in a way quite good because it meant that I could mold the business into what it sort of needed to do to move forward uh, and I basically just started creating these networking events and it was through that that I started kept getting this feedback where people kept on asking marketing questions because they knew that was my background and it eventually uh, evolved like three years later I rebranded went solely into business coaching it took off from day one because the demand was there and it was, it just seemed all of a sudden like a very, very simple business. And I also attached an online shop to it as well. So there was still an e-commerce, but they were physical, you know, things that mm-hmm. I was sending out. So, and you know, that's been great for business coaching, having that experience, cause there's a lot of people that come to me with online stores and physical products. So I, you know, I can help people firsthand with that. Um, but you know, fast forward 11 years, 11, 12 years down the track, I coach all industries from all stages of business, whether it's set up or people have been going for 10-plus years with multiple businesses, staffing, systems, processes, everything. So, yeah, it's really, really evolved over that time.
1: And then how did Sticky Studio come into the mix? Because that's fairly new-ish, you know. It's
0: actually not. It's (laughs) it's actually not. So basically what happened is just during this course a lot of people came to me if they if the startups and they were like gee I need branding and logo I kept on referring them off and eventually I just thought you know what I'm actually going to do this in-house so I hired a graphic designer to work um and do all that and so it was that service was only available for my clients under the relauncher brand but I always knew that I could grow it so about I reckon it was about three years ago now I pulled that component out of the business and put it under its own brand and started marketing it and we had already done I don't know I'm going to say like around about 60 projects by the time I did that so the minute I pulled that out and put it into its own entity it just flew because all the infrastructure was there and i now have seven graphic designers uh, there's a lot going on we do packaging online programs signage collateral websites branding it, everything
1: yeah. it's amazing i mean just to sort of dive a little bit deeper because like you know me i'm a bit of a nerd when it comes to system processes and and building out right like yes i love this world and i mean let's let's play for a second because what you did was see an opportunity here. And I think that's what a lot of smaller startups miss is how to actually scale, how to build growth within the company, but also how to structure it. Like there's very ergonomic, economical ways to do this so that it's functioning under whether it's an umbrella company or whether it's a separate entity. Yeah. Let's break that down a little bit because I think that's really solid advice to anyone listening that might have multiple ideas within one industry. Yeah.
0: It, look, it's so true because I got to a point with relaunch where I was like, I have to scale this because I was so maxed out on my time. Yeah, I could feel grey hair growing, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. there's like my salary is capped. With right. the hours that I've got plus I've got a family and my brain kept on saying you've got to do an online program Alison you know because that's just all that was out there and I kept on resisting because it's just not my style like I'm much more of a one-on-one or small group I just didn't want to do like this mass program so I actually did a program an online program but was it was evergreen and it was just tailored in a way that I could keep that boutique but I was like that's not the answer I've just put it there so I basically just looked within my business and just thought what are people continuously asking for and then I'll build on that which is exactly what I did so I could have from day one just started up Sticky Studio but that in itself is an entity so I was like I'm just going to test it and I'm going to test it so I did it in a way that it was in a controlled environment I wasn't marketing it out I was just doing it with people that were coming to me asking that I was already business coaching because I had to get the systems, it wasn't, it had to be set up in a way that it could handle the growth. Otherwise, I was just going to fall on my face day one because design is very complex and if you get someone that's not happy, it can just turn everything upside down, you know, like there's certain quality control. We're not just going to be spitting out crappy No. You know what I mean? And how
1: how did you set it up in terms of were you hiring contractors or were they actual they weren't full-time employees? It was only one. It was only one?
0: Yeah, contract. And
1: and are you still functioning the same way now? I am. I think that's an interesting conversation, the contracted versus employees i mean what what was the decision in that for you and, and why do you prefer one over the other yeah
0: okay so i went around and around in circles wasn't sure really what to do or how to do it properly and i have got a solicitor that i run everything past and she does all my t's and c's and contracts and everything so i spoke to my accountant and i spoke to her and they both said you're better off going down with the contractor route um because for me with the volume of work coming through I need multiple people with multiple skills yeah sets and in today's world we're very much living in a gig economy where people actually want to be contractors because they've got lots of different things going on in amongst their own thing exactly. so for for what we are doing we're very much in that freelancer gig economy where um graphic designers are wanting to be freelancers so that was the way that we went
1: yeah i mean speaking of you know where where we are in a very peculiar time where you're right there's a lot of people with full-time jobs that have side hustles there's a lot of people with you know their own companies but then have these little hobbies and skill sets and, you know, end up doing extra work. I mean, what are you seeing? What is happening right now as someone who's constantly got businesses in front of their face? Yeah. What's
0: happening? Everyone wants their own business. It's interesting. <laughs> I actually just got off a um, coaching call uh, with this lady and she's a classic scenario. So she's like in a family business but she's also setting up her own business but her own business she's setting up is huge it's a monster it's massive and it's going to be amazing but she's also got two small children and i see that so often like there's these people that you know they'll be renovating their house plus they've got you know like something else going on plus they're starting a business or they've already got two businesses and then they're looking at buying a third you know like it feels like no one is sitting still It feels like everyone is well. Everyone that I'm not—I shouldn't say everyone. A lot of people that I'm working with, that they don't necessarily come to me because they've got terrible troubles. They're coming to me because they're like, "My head is so full. I'm overwhelmed. I need someone just to tell me what to do, or I need someone to bounce things off or give me direction. You know, that's actually had experience and insight into the industry, to just help me make sure that I'm making the right decisions or moving ahead clearly."
1: I mean, from your perspective, as again, someone who's seen so many different industries, so many sized businesses, what's your opinion on the fact that everybody wants to start a business? Do you think there's room for that much success? Do you think there's room for that much growth and development? Or are we setting up to fail in the sense of there's all this, all these people with, you know, hunger and eagerness, 12 months go past, they can't, you know, get, past a certain point and then they fail right yeah <laughs> what what what's happening in that sense like what's your opinions and views in that world
0: yeah look look in all honesty and you know this it takes five years to start a business and not everyone has got the finances to allow five years to happen Yeah. and my answer is different depending on who I'm speaking to so if I'm speaking to my boys who are basically like year 12 and about to go to uni my to me I say to them you boys are going to go and study you're going to go and work for a company you know like if they said to me i want to start my own business i would be like having kittens because i'm like (laughs) no yes you can do that later but you Uh, need to go off and get your experience and you need to learn from these people you know like it's just to me it's really important to go and work for other people so i don't think everyone should have their own business at all times but i think if, if you are really passionate about having a business, then you should do it because it requires so much passion and determination because basically the business will fail in the beginning. Um, so you need you need to be so invested because otherwise if you are just going to give up when times get tough, it's just a worth it's a waste of your time and money. It really
1: is. How do you navigate those conversations though? Like I'm sure you've experienced so many clients come to you with an amazing idea and then but you like I have that innate belief that it's either in you or it's not, and yeah. there's only so much skill that's teachable. Um, entrepreneurship as a you know, essentially, if you do enough research, it's chemical, right? We have an excess of dopamine that is recycled in our bodies and we essentially can't metabolize it. And that is the similar trait to almost every successful entrepreneur in the world. So it's either like literally you either have it or you don't. What do you do when you have these clients of yours that genuinely should not be starting a business? How do you navigate those conversations? Yeah.
0: Look, it doesn't happen very often with the people I that, <laughs> but. In my mind, I'm like that. They are paying me for time and money advice, and advice. And people come to me because they know they're going to get the answer, whether they're ready to hear it or not. So I will actually tell them.
1: Have you ever I, had? Have you ever had a scenario like that?
0: Yeah. Yeah. How did it- <laughs> yeah. It's, it's not unusual. I mean, it's not like I'm saying it all the time. But and and also, I'll, I'll say it in a very nice way. But I like basically, it'll be like if someone keeps on like turning up for a session and they haven't done anything and they're just filled with excuses, you know, like it's just it's going to be very hard for them to succeed and they're wasting their time and their money, you know. Absolutely. So, so it just, you know, and at the end of the day, if they're coming to a coach, they're coming to a coach for a reason. They're not coming to a coach to feel good, you know, and so it's it's like it's, it's my job and my responsibility to just say, you know, like, Um, sometimes it's actually the the business that they've chosen to do is just not actually a good fit for them. That is not unusual.
1: I mean, it's it's interesting. I think the the thought that pops up in my head from that is, you know, everything that's going on in the world with the way the economy is looking, you know, we're leaning towards a recession again. We've got product-based businesses really suffering. I think anyone, whether it is B2C or B2B or wholesale, like whatever category you're in, um, what's happening for your clients right now and what's the advice you can give to anyone that isn't product based that you know is in for a ride right now? Mm. Product
0: is tough. I have to say the first three months of this year was as if the year just wasn't starting for yep. product. Yeah. so we're used to like business kicking off, you know in February. you know like when when you get back from Christmas holidays it's like right, business it's buying again. season oh and then this year we were in february and it's like what the hell's going on we were in march and we're going like Shit, like we're supposed to be out of COVID. what's going on it was terrifying terrifying and then it i reckon it wasn't until june that product based businesses were like oh my gosh if we're like we're moving again but they're like struck by pricing and supply has just been it's just been really difficult so a lot of people are having to increase their prices um which then is a knock-on effect with their retailers you know like it's just everyone is getting affected and then eventually is passed on to the consumers and then it's like well depending on what your product is do people continue to buy it or do they um Buy less of it, or you know, like everyone's a little bit different. But it is tough, and this is what I've said on a podcast on podcast several times: is you know, in case you're a business owner and you're not speaking to other businesses, don't feel like you're the only one. Everyone is feeling it across the board. Everyone.
1: Yeah, I think you you definitely hit a nail on the head with price increase. I think that's been the biggest consistency across the board, and I think people are generally understanding. Like you're, we're seeing the compassion come out. But, I mean, what's the advice you can give to a small business or a medium uh, business?
0: Yeah, look, this is the thing, is no one wants to raise their prices as a business owner. Like, everyone's scared to lift their price in case their products st- stop selling. Um, and I was recently at the Naturally Good Expo and there was someone speaking and they said, you just have to increase your prices. As a business owner, you have to pass those costs over. Because if you don't, you you literally just cutting your margins so, so much. Because everyone's in the same situation. You know, everyone is, I think we're all getting used to the fact that prices are rising now.
1: Yeah, it's becoming a lot more normalised. I mean, like from our perspective, we literally wrote the most beautiful letter. We gave so much warning to all of our customers. We gave them all of that sort of, you know, warm up up time and and, you know and the the reality is it's not even about um margins it's like everyone's looking at below cost if you don't raise prices and that's right the cost of freight the cost of procuring the commodities to actually produce the material of whatever is your product it's it's astronomical and i think um you know if we talk about marketing then so let's say the tangible advice here is just do it just bloody raise your Mm -hmm. prices Mm -hmm. you know support your clients give them all the love you need but from a marketing perspective, what are you seeing from a successful point of view that the smart businesses are doing to maintain that sort of growth or at least, you know, stay afloat? Like, what can we be doing better from a marketing perspective now?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, at, at the end of the day, I think people are still, well, I don't think I know, people are still using social media. People are diversifying onto TikTok as much as we are listing yeah. because yeah. we're Headspace, but people are finding easier growth and sales over there for many product businesses. And I think that's where product can win with their marketing. The other thing with product-based businesses is really nurturing your newsletter list, your mailing list. So with Sticky Studio, we actually for several product businesses um, we manage their newsletters for them because they don't have the headspace just to keep that constant because with products you can you can email them weekly without it being overbearing if you know depending on what your business is whereas like a business like mine I would never dream of emailing anyone in our know yeah. oh my god they'd just be like who is she but product product is completely different completely yeah so I think, like, utilising, like, those free forms of marketing, being, like, your organic social media, your newsletter list, and if you're not if you're not building your newsletter list, that is, like, something you really should be doing.
1: I mean, or, you mentioned headspace, right? I think yes. that's a big thing right now. What, yes. is, what is the headspace? What are you seeing consistently?
0: Consistently, there is a lot of overwhelm. Yeah. Just because there's so much, which then, as we know, kind of stops you from doing anything. So you know, like I can have a lot of people come to me, and you go, they, they're they're really great business owners. They know what they're doing, but they just are at full bottle and and want to be told what to do. So it's one you know, it's one less decision to make. Like I've got one client earlier this week, and she said to me, "I have to." Deci- In fact, I've had two clients this week that both said to me, "I have decision fatigue. I cannot make a decision. Tell me what to do." <laughs>
1: Honestly, I think, you know, I um I'm really fortunate. I'm I'm surrounded by an amazing advisory board and a circle and a network of very successful interesting people. And you know, I've built that over 10 years of, you know, running companies. And and I think that's the number one piece of advice if if you're sitting there and you're you're looking around and you've got no one to talk to, go get a coach. Yeah. If you can't afford a coach, go and seek a mentor, somebody that will give you half an hour of their time for a coffee anyone and consistently seek for it because that circle, that network of goodness that adds that value and helps you make those decisions is basically what sets you up for the trajectory of your business. And I think, you know, Alison, you play such an integral role for so many companies. Um, I've watched, you know, since knowing you for the last probably six years now. (laughs) you literally watched me grow up. Um, You know, I've just seen you go from strength to strength. And I think you're a perfect example of a company that has managed to not just innovate, but like you said, like shape shift, like you Mm -hmm. started from one place, and you are completely different entity to even when I first met you. And, you know, I want to talk a little bit about how you personally manage that, like you are Uh, not just an amazing businesswoman, but you have grown children who you dedicate so much time and energy to and, you know, they don't lack mum time. Like how are you, how did did you do it all? Because I look at you as a
0: 28-year-old and think, holy shit. (laughs) Do you know, I think one of the keys for me has been running the business from home. In fact, I know that's the case. Um, because you can dip in and out of work and still mm. without it interrupting and being a distraction. The biggest thing has been school holidays. So usually I we go away because if, I, if I'm still at home, I still work. So school holidays at the moment. I'm at home. I'm working, and the reason is is because Leo's doing HR and studying. So it's it's not normal holidays for us now. But that is the key. Uh, if you if you've got a family, is literally school holidays. It's a great excuse to get away, uh, to connect with everyone. Um, but that was the that was my why. So you know when you say like when, when business is really tough, you go back to what's your why? Well my why was always I set this business up so that I could be flexible and still like look after the boys, not that they really need looking after anymore.
1: <laughs> oh I'm sure <laughs> they I'm sure they appreciate it. But I think so really the sentiment here is having those strong boundaries, right? Yes, it's like oh absolutely. That, yeah, like having that connection to your purpose, which is you wanted to spend time with your family Mm. but having those strong boundaries in place like you know unfortunately there are a lot of businesses out there that can't work from home that want to be with their small teams that want to be empowering them you know especially in those early stages like you really have to be all in but you know when you start to get those like five six to ten employees and you know you want to be there like how do you then create those
0: boundaries and how would you manage that's- well, I think everyone's boundaries are different and that's the thing and quite often your boundaries need to shift depending on what chapter you're in and that's okay as well but the key is is that once those once those boundaries have been set you need to communicate them to the people that need to know about the boundaries and then it's up to you to enforce it and that's what I see time and time again those steps don't happen so someone will set boundaries and then they'll complain because people are overstepping the boundaries and I'm like well hang on it's actually you because you haven't communicated what the boundaries are and you haven't enforced them That's so right. for example a common complaint will be that people's team or st- whatever keep uh, contacting them via multiple platforms so they're going my phone's dinging whatsapp's dinging social media's going and email and it's like this per- these people are just all around me and I'm like well <laughs> you need to tell them the, the way of communication is via email and then if it's over the weekend or the evening you shouldn't respond like you have to stick to those boundaries if you've said these are my working hours then don't respond outside because if you respond they just assume you're online and they're going to come back so I, we, I we have to take ownership we cannot complain i think
1: it's i'm so i'm smiling for anyone that can't see the video because <laughs> This is one of my favorite conversations because I'm, you know, it comes back to systems and processes, right? Like when I launched Soul Cups before the company existed, like I swear to God, before I even registered the name, I already had a soul handbook, like a manual written out of how I was going to manage employees that didn't exist, (laughs) you know, team structures, sales, um, admin, like everything had its own like manual and process. We still use it today. Like to this day, it's still the same original one, just like tweak and you know updated and you know the the point here is exactly like you said this is how we communicate as a team this is the platform we use these are the hours you can communicate to and you know when you're in the beginning like you're hungry you're excited and you want to answer every email and then it gets two years in and you're like if why am I working at 11 p.m. you know it gets to that exhaustion stage and that's where those systems and boundaries come in because your clients only know what you tell them. Your employees only know what you tell them. So it's about that clear communication. And I, I think, you know, you brought that up so nicely.
0: Well, you know what? That's one of the keys to success is clear communication and the amount of people that are scared to communicate, particularly when it's something that they don't want to say, that then creates a knock-on effect of just, you know, Everything. things. Yeah. So that would be my, my, my number one advice um in running a business is that you need to develop the art of clear and articulate communication because that will that is one that is absolutely one of the keys to success. It
1: sets you up and I think it's even further to elaborate. It's not just about how can I communicate, it's how can I communicate so that the person listening can hear it and receive it you know, in their style of communication? And then how can I actively listen successfully? So it's a two-way street, right? Communication has to happen between people. So it's not just about, like, exploding the information on them. It's about did they receive it and then what do I need to receive back to make sure that we're aligned? And that's where the success occurs. But doesn't it sound like a relationship to you? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and and how... <laughs> I'm sure it's, you you feel the same way, but I find that every skill I've ever learned, whether it's in business or, you know, team management and leadership, I directly translate into my personal life because it just enriches everything. The better you are at that self development, the better everything outside of your business is. Like how, how is that? How are you in your personal relationships? What's the secret Mm -hmm. to your marriage? Because you've, you've got an
0: amazing amazing family yeah well do you know it's um next year 20 years i've been oh, married. Wow. i feel far too young to have been married for 20 you years you are far <laughs> too young <laughs> oh it's amazing look i think um richard who's my husband i think he's very patient to be married to me um we're very much yin and yang so he's very like he's a creative in advertising but he's like slowly slow and thorough he's a night owl you know and i'm like quick i'm a logical thinker i get things done like we're just like so and i'm like early to bed i'm really up in the early morning So we're very opposite but we just we really get on so well so that to us has, has been really good like he um my weaknesses are his strengths you know like so we kind of like so so my weaknesses have become much stronger because i've absorbed what he's good at and yeah so he i feel like he's really been the backbone to me becoming who i am and being able to run this business because he's had great great support being great support to me what
1: what's your advice in in anyone sort of wanting to find their person or someone in a relationship currently like what are the key things that have you know, taken you to this 20 years of, of oh incredible.
0: Gosh, <laughs> I think you've got to have fun. I think yes. Think fun. That is really, really key. Again, really good communication. Um, and just, he's very down to earth. I think, I think that you've got to enjoy doing things together as well. You've got, you've got to absolutely have the same vision. Like, Same trajectory, so not exactly like exactly the same end goals because we are very independent, and I think that's also been our success. Because if he was trying to, like, you know, micromanage me or kind of like be like if he wanted to be in the business with me oh that would be a disaster (laughs) we won't tell him that'd be the worst (laughs) thing ever for me um so so for me just having my freedom and him allowing that has been very very good but everyone's different and everyone likes different things
1: but you know even like a business i think us as humans especially those in business you know we're all growth Mm -hmm. mindsets so you know, it's all about that evolution of the self. And I think that, you know, the number one piece of advice I was actually ever given in regards to relationships was give yourselves the space and the safety and the um opportunity to meet each other again every year. Yeah. And then maintain curiosity. So it's like, don't just say, okay, yes, I allow you to grow, but I want to know who that person is yeah. and then mutually come together and. You know, re relearn and and grow together and walk together, and I think that's such a prime example of of you know twenty years, like yes, doing something right.
0: <laughs> Look, I think that that is really great advice because when you meet, that's it's same as a business. When you meet, that's not going to be who you are in twenty years or forty years. So you have to allow each other the freedom to become who you want to become, and still stay joint. It's special and I, yeah. I think again, it
1: aligns so much with business. It's like, yes. you know, where Soul Cup started in 2016 to where we are now is just completely, completely different and the community is different and the audience is different and it's about chopping and changing and, you know, the word innovation has been thrown around so much since COVID. But, you know, what is some tangible Um, direction or advice that you can give to anyone that's just entering the business world right now in this very strange time
0: yeah oh my gosh I say this answer comes as a caveat like every single time because I'm always like it depends on what you're doing you know because everyone I coach is so broad whether your product or service or you know exactly what you're doing the answer is you know like you need to you need to have a very strong vision of, of what you want to do with this business. In in your business, you need to not give too many options when you're first starting because that creates confusion. Um, and basically, you're wanting to build a business and a brand so that doesn't always mean sales from day one and i think there's a lot of people that launch businesses thinking the minute they launch sales are going to be had and quite often those sales do come because it's from friends and family and then it will stop after that so if you go in with the mindset that this is going to take longer than you anticipate and that you really need to strip it back and simplify and potentially only offer like launch with one offering and then be really focused on building relationships and brand presence then that's that's a realistic way to enter into business
1: yeah i think that's really tangible advice i think You know, funnily enough, I was just speaking to a friend of mine who is in the app space, and it's, you know, not even a service based business, but it's a community based business. And the thing that he's struggling so much with is building that community without paid advertising, because even the organic social interactions have limitations at this time because of everything that's going on. I think it's just a very, challenging moment and you know often the advice i'm giving out is strip everything back
0: that's right
1: go back to basics and start with your bloody community like Mm. get out of the house and go talk to people in your bloody suburb like just start small start local and and then you
0: know the domino effect you're exactly right so when i launched relaunch as i said it was an online store. I had to get out from behind that screen and go and get in front of people. And it was the only, like, without that connection, I think I'd still be peddling. I think we're going backwards. Like it's
1: like when I started, I was also doing like on on foot, like door to door selling in a way. You know, like literally showing up at cafes and being like, "Hey, I remember, I remember you doing
0: that." Yeah,
1: (laughs) and I mean, and then the digital age happened, and no one wanted to talk to you. No one had time for you. Everything was like email me, Zoom me, you know, whatever. But I think we're going backwards. Like I think now people are desperate for connection. They are. They are. And I think yeah. that's the big lesson here. We need to actually take advantage of the fact that that experience that you'll create, that friendship, that network, that relationship that you'll make mm-hmm. with it, a face-to-face interaction or at least a bloody phone call if you can or, you know, anything that's like genuine. I think that's going to go so much further right now.
0: You know, a little objective that I set myself at the beginning of business, which I think again was a really, really good, is I would meet up with someone once a week for a green smoothie because that was the yes. plan back then. <laughs> and these people, I it was almost like speed dating. I was meeting them online, like via Instagram, because it was yes. like when Instagram first launched. And that's how I built this community. That I'm like this includes the people I'm meeting up with was Jess Sappel look where she is now with JS Health, Melissa Abrasini, like just all these and um, Cassie Mendoza-Jones, we were all just starting out and those connections I made back then, it's just like, wow, look where yeah. everyone is now. So I can't stress enough that even if you do have a digital business, you have to get out from behind that computer yeah. and don't wait for people to ask you, you have to instigate it.
1: That's it. I, yeah. I I could not agree more because yeah. you and I would do the exact same thing. Yeah. I would literally slide into someone's DMs yeah. and be like, can we go get coffee? Yeah. You <laughs> and, have to do it. And just like you, like these people are invaluable in my life now. We are not just, you know, business acquaintances, but real friends. Like mm-hmm. you build this amazing network. And yeah, I, I Alison, you hit the net. That is that is the if, if there's a takeaway from this episode. Yeah get out there and you know go have a green smoothie Absolutely. <laughs> everyone
0: but also one's not enough you yeah. have to be doing you have to just say to yourself once a week I have to meet up with someone new and then you know if you're meeting up with people again that you already know during the week well that's even better but you need to be expanding your connections there and and even when like at my state in your stage of business we still have to be making new connections yes yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And
1: that's the thing. It, it it you have to take it more seriously, you basically, do. the more you grow. And and that's the the thing I've been so blessed with in the last six months of my life is the network I've created out of this sheer um rediscovery that I need to enhance my circle like I need I'm leveling up now I'm scaling I'm doing something massive in the next 12 months and I need the right people around me and I need better people smarter people you know we always talk about being surrounded by people that are smarter than you like you know what you need have that awareness now go get it get off your ass (laughs) you know and go and network and go and meet incredible humans
0: yeah and that's part of it that's one of the qualities of being an entrepreneur if you're gonna succeed that's just as part of your job description
1: and that's the funnest part
0: <laughs> that's the way exactly. I do it exactly so you know you can write off your plane tickets your hotels <laughs> make it fun and that's the thing it's it's very easy to get caught up in the grind and the stress yeah and the to-do list. But you do also have to like block out time where you actually go and do these work travel trips or you know um, cocktail evenings like I'm going yeah. to tonight. All this you have to do it, but it even when you've got time, it,
1: it changes your life. I mean, like for example, I'm off to Auckland for a trade show. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always going to book in an extra day you know, uh, at the end to go and network with people in yeah. that city. Like I've already DM'd half of Auckland being like, hey, I'm in town. Yeah. <laughs> Let's make sure we catch up. And, yeah. you know, it might be clients, it might be, um, you know, other colleagues of yours, it might be people that are in the same industry as you, but that's the fun. Like exactly like you said, you know, we're not in this, industry. We're not running companies so that we can work, you know, 5 a.m. till 9 p.m. We're in it so that we can have control over our lives and build Mm -hmm. a lifestyle. And, you know, if you make money, then that's a positive consequence. But (laughs) you also have to enjoy your life.
0: Yeah, it's so true. It's so true.
1: Yeah. Alison, I'm, I'm so glad we got to do this. I mean, just before we wrap up, I think if there's one piece of takeaway that you can leave us with in regards to um how to just be how to how to be successful right now where where would you leave us?
0: I would say to ensure that you have an abundance mindset. So there's no scarcity. Um, competition, forget competition. Um, think, you know, basically be thinking, yes, there's the challenges, but I'm going to create a solution. Uh, and try not to compete. Stick in your own lane and collaborate. Mm, I love yeah. it.
1: Thank you so much, Alison. I appreciate all the time. Pleasure back. Amazing. All right. Let me stop recording. That I'm-